This is Kansas City Today. It's Monday, October 31st. I'm Laura Ziegler, filling in for Nomeen Ujiadeen. Coming up, two years ago, 20-year-old Democrat Aaron Coleman was elected to represent part of Wyandotte County in the Kansas legislature. But his term was quickly overshadowed by accusations of domestic violence, drunk driving, and revenge porn. I think he kind of woke up the district to make sure who they vote for. They know who they're voting for. Now two political newcomers are promising to make up for lost time. Plus, the national battle against abortion is being felt across rural America. Towns in Iowa, Nebraska, and Texas have banned abortion within their borders. Some of these communities have less than 100 people, and many are hundreds of miles away from the nearest clinic. We'll hear about one suburban community where the stakes are exceptionally high. But first, some headlines. Cases of respiratory illness that can be serious in babies and young children are on the rise in Kansas. As Rose Conlon of the Kansas News Service reports, it's beginning to strain hospitals. A mild case of respiratory syncytial virus, or RSV, might only involve a runny nose and cough, but it can also cause severe breathing problems that require kids to be put on a ventilator. Dr. Fouad Medlej with Stormont Vale in Topeka says hospitalizations among kids have been rising for weeks. We have definitely seen a spike in our admissions. Uh, we are still seeing other viruses as well. So the spike in RSV has made bed availability tight. The surge is also impacting Wesley Healthcare Center in Wichita, says Dr. Stephanie Kuhlman. We have had some days where we've been at capacity, and so some of our patients are experiencing longer wait times in the emergency department. She says parents should keep sick kids home and encourage precautions like hand washing. And the Environmental Protection Agency has released its first strategy across agencies to address lead exposure disparities. The plan includes more lead screening in children and job training to create economic opportunities. EPA official Carlton Waterhouse says the data will identify which neighborhoods need attention. We're very focused on going towards those places that have hot spots and determining what the dominant and primary sources of lead are in those communities. A study recently published in the Kansas Journal of Medicine found that young children in the state were two times more likely to develop elevated lead levels in their blood than the national rate. Two years ago, House District 37 in Kansas City, Kansas, elected a Democratic candidate to the state legislature who made national headlines for all the wrong reasons. Now a Democratic nominee and a Republican opponent, both relative newcomers, are facing off. KCUR's Nomeen Ujiadeen has more from the district that covers much of the Armordale, Turner, and Argentine neighborhoods. On a recent October evening at the Kansas City, Kansas Public Library, a long table is packed with candidates running for office in Wyandotte County, trying to appeal to voters. Two of the only women on the panel are running in the same race to represent District 37 in the Kansas House of Representatives. They're both professionals born, raised, and educated in Northeast Kansas, with long careers in Wyandotte County outside of politics. Diana Whittington, a Republican and semi-retired teacher, says she supports police and first responders, despite recent investigations into corruption at the local police department. I cannot put a price tag on the peace of mind that comes in knowing that we have people, men and women, who put their lives on the line for our protection and to protect and serve. Her opponent, Melissa Oropesa, is a nurse practitioner in gastroenterology at the University of Kansas and is on the state nursing board. She says she wants to run for office in part to be a role model for young people and her community. 
the last two years we were not represented up at Topeka, and we definitely need to have representation. In this year's August primary, Oropesa defeated the incumbent, Democrat Aaron Coleman, who's been in office since his election in 2020. Coleman drew attention for his progressive politics, defeat of longtime Representative Stan Fraunfelter, and young age. He was only 20 when he took office. But Coleman's behavior outside of the state house made the biggest impression. He's admitted to distributing revenge porn and bullying others as a teen. He's been accused of domestic violence, harassment, making threats, and driving while intoxicated. And that's just a selection of the headlines Coleman made. He was quickly blocked from taking on committee positions in the state house, which severely limited his ability to influence lawmaking. I really believe if Aaron Coleman did nothing else, I think he kind of woke up the district to make sure who they vote for. They know who they're voting for. That's Janet Waugh, a longtime member of the Kansas Board of Education who lives in House District 37. She feels like Coleman was a disappointment. Both candidates, Oropesa and Whittington, are trying to make up for that. Whittington taught art at Washington High School for 15 years and still works part-time at schools in the area. She supports parents having more control over what their kids learn and where to send their kids to school. In her last year's teaching, Whittington saw how hard students took virtual learning. She supports the legislature limiting Democratic Governor Laura Kelly's powers so that doesn't happen again. I feel that her powers were a little extreme. I know in my case, it really hurt that relationship with students. Oropesa, who has a doctorate in nursing, wants health policy to be based on data and the input of experts. And she thinks parents should be involved in education, but it should ultimately be left up to teachers. I think it needs to be more of a hand-in-hand uh, -hand and not a adversarial type of push and pull for power. Both candidates have viewpoints that are pretty standard for members of their respective parties. Oropesa supports abortion access and sees it as a women's health issue. Whittington opposes abortion and was disappointed Kansans voted this year to preserve abortion rights in the state constitution. One thing they both agree on? That high taxes and public safety are the biggest concerns for voters in their district. And another, they both think their community lost out on two years of representation in Topeka. And they're ready to change that. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. The nationwide battle against abortion has reached small-town governments, small towns in Iowa, Nebraska, and Texas, some with fewer than 100 people, have banned abortion within their borders. Clinics may be hundreds of miles away. But Harvest Public Media's Elizabeth Rembert reports on one suburban community where the stakes are exceedingly high. So this ordinance is to uh, ban abortion in, Bel in the city of Belgium. At the corner of a busy intersection, pink and blue balloons and a big picture of a fetus are tied to a white tent. It's for a petition that would outlaw abortion here in Bellevue, an Omaha suburb. Margaret Ross lives in the city and stopped to add her signature. My perspective comes from a biblical worldview. So the sanctity of life is important to God, and so it's important to me. If the proposal is approved by the Bellevue City Council or voted in through a ballot initiative, anyone who performs or aids an abortion in the city could be sued by private citizens. Just down the street from the tent sits an abortion clinic. 
one of three providers in Nebraska. Only a couple sparse trees separate the signs advertising an abortion-free Bellevue from the clinic's parking lot. No one from the clinic agreed to talk with us, but this is the only place in Nebraska that performs abortions up to 20 weeks, which Chelsea Souter says is a critical resource in the Midwest. She leads a group that helps people seeking abortions with financial support. Because of all of the many restrictions and now bans that are in many states, that has prolonged people's access to care, which in turn pushes people further in pregnancy. So it's really imperative that we have clinics that can be able to provide that care. Small towns across Nebraska, Iowa, Texas, and Ohio have outlawed abortions within their boundaries. A man named Mark Dixon is behind all those ordinances. He crisscrosses the country in his pickup truck to push abortion bans through local governments. I think all communities need to stand up. He helped get a ban in place in Lubbock, Texas, which shut down abortion services at a Planned Parenthood there. He's come to Bellevue to do the same. Supreme Court did say that this is an issue uh, to be returned to the states, their people, and their elected representatives. And that does include local governments. But it's not clear how legal the citywide bans are. Anthony Schutz, a law professor at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, says there are two questions at work. Do local governments have the authority to impose bans? And even if cities have that ability, do statewide rules overpower local ones? Those are the deeper questions that we have to answer, and they're, they're not questions about rights. They're questions about local government authority as it relates to the state. It'll take time to get answers. Schutz says courts don't like to rule on hypotheticals. That likely means someone would have to sue a city for its existing ban. In Willie, Iowa, where an abortion ban passed last spring, Mayor Kristen Nearing says she's only heard positive feedback. But she says the ordinance hasn't really impacted abortion access. We're a small town of 101 people, and there wasn't a, there's not a medical clinic, and there probably wasn't anything occurring in our community prior to this happening. It was, I think, more about the community wanting to be able to speak for what they believed in. Back in Bellevue, Sheila O'Connell signed the petition at the intersection. She says trying to shut down the clinic with a local abortion ban is just one part of an incremental approach. We have to take it piece by piece by piece. No more giant steps after Roe v. Wade. That was our giant step. We know that it's really more symbolic than anything at this point. Chelsea Souder, who works to help people get abortions, believes a Bellevue ordinance would be unenforceable and unconstitutional. Still, she says that doesn't stop it from increasing stigma and confusion. I think it's really just a fear-mongering tactic for them, and I think that it creates more chaos and misinformation around the general public, around what does this actually mean, how does this affect our community. The clinic's doctor told a local newspaper this summer that if the proposal goes into effect, he would follow the law, which could mean moving the clinic into Omaha. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Elizabeth Rempert. Harvest Public Media is a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains, including KCUR.
This is Kansas City Today. I'm Laura Ziegler. This podcast is produced by Byron Love, Trevor Grandin, and KCUR Studios. It's edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. You can read No Mean Story on the Missouri House District 37 race and Elizabeth Rembert's story on access to abortion at kcur.org, where you can also find all kinds of coverage on the upcoming midterm elections. Thanks so much for listening. Come back tomorrow. Kansas City Today keeps our communities informed. So does KCUR's daily news email, The Early Bird. It delivers the top headlines of the day right to your inbox every weekday at 6 a.m. You can subscribe at kcur.org slash early bird.